Welcome to the podcast from In Church, Phoenix. This message is The Second Mile with Pastor Scott Dawkins, January 8th, 2017. Uh, Jesus says these words in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 38. He said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, that's how they used to operate. That, that was the way, you know, you do one thing to me, then I'm going to do the one thing back to you. You see, you see this often in kids, don't you? Uh, well, he hit me first, and that therefore gives, apparently gives them the right to hit back. And uh, so we have this whole concept somehow, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but Jesus is about to switch this around. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but... Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if any, if any, let me start that sentence again. If anyone wants to see you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, Jesus is addressing an issue here, the issue of retaliating or retaliation, and someone does something to you, so you do the same back. And someone hurts you, you want to hurt someone back. Someone wrongs you, you want to get even with that person. Someone cuts you off on the road, and you want to cut them off on the road. And that's just my own little issue when it comes to this is where I get tested. But Jesus is saying here don't retaliate, don't try to get even. Don't hurt others because they hurt you. But I think we can go a little bit further uh, in this as well because I'm not sure what your Bible says, but many Bibles have like a subheading above this passage that, that Jesus is speaking. It says the second mile. And uh, we'll go the second mile. And I think this is a pretty apt title because Jesus is getting deeper than just whether I should retaliate or not to what people do do with me. He's, he's getting to the heart issues now. He's starting to talk about what's going on in our heart. And that actual passage, that part that says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. That was something that would happen in the day. In fact, at, at many Jewish boys, 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere around there, they could just be walking down the street. And if a Roman guard sees them and uh, wants to, you know, take the, the pack off that he's been carrying, then he can, by law in that day, make one of the boys take his pack and go a mile. And at the end of the mile, that was it. That was the agreement. That was done. The, the Roman guard couldn't just assume anything more than that. He could command someone to do that. If the, if the child wouldn't do it or the person wouldn't do it, then they would be in trouble. As long as they carried a mile, they were okay. So Jesus is saying here, if anyone, whoever compels you to go one mile, talking about you having to take someone's pack and walk a mile, Jesus is saying, go with him too. Take, take a, a second mile. And as I, as I read through this, Jesus is saying, go beyond the expected. Go beyond the expectation. Do more than what's expected or what is required. Because the second mile, that second part, is where the adventure of Christianity begins. 
And that's one of the reasons why I love this church. It's because it really is a second mile church. And can you just imagine if you were just to kind of role play in your mind what that looked like if a guard came up to you and you're just sitting around enjoying your lunch or whatever you're doing and, and the Roman guard comes up to you and says, hey, come and carry my pack for a mile. You have to do it. So you pick it up and it's not light and you start, and you start walking and, and he's walking and you're walking and there's probably not a whole lot of conversation going on. You're just doing what you have to do and you're probably regret, regretting it or begrudging you're having to do it and, you, and you're walking a mile and, you, and you're walking it out and you're carrying this pack and you get to the end of the mile and the soldier says, okay, you're done. And then you say, that's all right, I'll go another mile for you. That's unheard of. That's not normal. That's not common. And I think, in that moment, the guard's going to start asking himself questions. The soldier's going to think, why would you do that? Why would you carry this a second mile? He may, and, and then maybe the, the conversation in the, in the second mile is very different. Maybe the, the conversation in the second mile is, hey, why are you carrying this another mile? You don't have to. Well, you know what? Because Jesus said that we should go the extra mile. Jesus said that we should love beyond our comfort zone. Jesus said that we should show grace when it's not deserved. Jesus says that we should offer forgiveness even if the person keeps hurting us. Jesus, Jesus teaches about the second mile, and the second mile is a different way of living. Anyone expects the first mile. Anyone expects what goes on in that first mile, but where the expectation changes is in the, the second mile, where everything changes in many respects is the second mile miles first mile christianity looks a lot like this jesus gets me through my adversity jesus looks after my needs jesus protects my rights jesus gets me the encouragement i need to get through the day jesus builds me up for faith in my circumstances jesus motivates me during my times of trouble jesus loves me graces me showers me and lifts me and we all need that first mile all those things that I just read out, we all need. We all need those things. We need the first mile. We need the encouragement of God. We need our faith built up. We need the closeness of his presence as we worship. It's God who watches over us and protects us, and we need the assurance of who we are in Christ. That's all what we discover in the first mile. I wasn't even thinking about it in the terms of these banners that we have here. We just put these up this week, and they're going to, form a part of the next few weeks of what we talk about in church. But the first mile really is all about come and find your life. Come and find the life that Jesus has for you because he's got an incredible life for you and his love is amazing. And, and it says in John 10.10, 10, for the thief comes but to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life then have it abundantly. That's what we find in the first mile. That's what we find here, when they say, come and find your life, we're talking about the first mile. But then there's the, the second mile that we talk about. Uh, and this is the first mile that, that Jesus calls us to a second, and the second mile looks very different. In the first mile, you receive what you need. In the second mile, you give what others need. In the first mile, you see that you are taken care of. And in the second mile, you see to it that others are taken care of. 
in the first mile, you are encouraged in your trials and your troubles. But in the second mile, you encourage others in their trials. In the first mile, you are doing what is expected. In the second mile, you're doing what is not expected. In the first mile, your faith is about your circumstances. In the second mile, your faith is working for the benefit of others. In the first mile, it's about me and what God has done for me. And in the second mile, it's about others. And I need the first mile. We all need the first mile. I need God to meet my needs. We all need God to meet our needs. I need God to encourage me in situations and circumstances. But Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle that goes beyond the first mile, but also the second mile. And it's the second mile that keeps us from living lives that are focused completely on me. When I'm completely focused on me, I love the first mile. I love what Jesus does for me and, and what, he, what he graces me with and his forgiveness and his love and his mercies. That's, that's wonderful. And, and like I said, we need it. You don't even get to the second mile till you've been through the first mile. But the second mile keeps us from living focused on myself where I realize all the things that Jesus has done for me, all the things that Jesus does in me, and that it's not actually just about me, but it's for others. That he causes us and he calls us to live for others. It's the second mile where our witness to others begins. In Acts chapter 16, a well-known passage Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas had been thrown in prison and because uh, they got in trouble for doing some things and they weren't doing anything wrong. In fact, they were just living, living life how Christ called them to live and they healed somebody and it ended up upsetting some people. And so they get beaten up and uh, beaten up badly, and they get thrown into this deep, dark dungeon. This is where they're at, right around midnight, and they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That's pretty exciting. If you're in prison, and you're sitting there around midnight, and, uh, and here's um, Paul and Silas sitting there in the dungeon singing, I don't know what they're singing. My chains are gone, I've been set free. Whatever they're singing. Because all the chains, everything's, and the doors are flung wide open. And you would think that they would have taken an opportunity. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with this story, and we'll read it in just a moment. We'll pick it up. But they didn't go anywhere. They didn't leave. If, if I was there, I think I would have messed up this whole story because I'd be in there in prison. I've just been beaten up. I'd probably be licking my wounds, feeling sorry for myself, but I'm going to praise God anyway. And then I am, and then the, everything, all the chains like just come off and the doors are wide open. What would you think? I know what I'm thinking. I'm out of here. But that's not what happens. Paul and Silas are about to show us what a second mile really looks like. In verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. And he assumed, and I assumed, 
the prisoners had escaped. And so the penalty for him for having prisoners escape is death. So he knows. So he's about to take matters into his own hands. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. I don't know how they made sure that they were all there, but they were all still there. And the jailer called for the lights and and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you imagine that if Paul and Silas had a thought, beauty, I'm out of here. Is that a word, beauty? That's a very Australian thing I just said. Wonderful, I'm out of here. Awesome, I'm out of here. If they had done that, then and the jailer saw that, he would have fell on his sword. And they would have missed this question. Paul and Silas thinking that their freedom now was just all about them, but they didn't. They stayed there, and, and the question that they get asked by the jailer is, what must I do to be saved? This is what second mile looks like. First mile is, man, Jesus set me free. I'm gone. Second mile is, no, I'm not going. We're going to witness to this jailer. We're going to tell him about the love of Christ. Verse 31, they replied to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The first mile considers my temporary circumstances, but the second mile considers the eternal destiny of others. That's what the second mile looks like. Another example of where a man went the second mile in Matthew chapter 27. When the, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into Praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. If I could be anyone in the Bible, I'm not sure if you've ever had this thought, but if I could choose to be anyone in the Bible, I think it would be this man right here, to be Simon of Cyrene. And see, Simon had traveled a long way because it was the Passover time. And where he was from, Cyrene, to get to the feast, the Passover feast in Jerusalem, he would have traveled 900 miles, not by car, not by plane, but he would have walked it 900 miles. You, you read about it, and the commentary says that it probably took about a month to make that journey, just for the specific purpose of getting there for the Passover feast. 
And to be there and to be able to participate in the Passover feast as a Jewish person, you had to be clean. You had to have all the, you know, the duties and everything that you read in those boring books like Leviticus, all that stuff that had to be ceremonially clean and to be able to participate in the Passover. And now here's Jesus coming out and there's blood everywhere. And we know that. And there's blood on the cross that he's carrying. And Simon looks and knows that he's been told, you've got to take, pick up this cross. You have to carry it with Jesus. And I'm not sure what he was thinking. But again, if I can put myself in his situation thinking, I've just traveled a, a month just to be here for the Passover feast. And now I'm going to be made, because of the blood, because of someone else's blood, I'm going to be made unclean. I'm not going to be able to participate in the Passover anymore. This is the situation that Simon of Cyrene is in. And so Simon knew that coming alongside Jesus and carrying the bloodstained cross would mean that he would be unclean and not be able to participate. And I don't know how he felt about that, whether he was angry or frustrated, or um, I'm sure there must have been some disappointment there, uh, considering how much time and how far he had traveled. But very soon, he was going to discover just how powerful and just maybe a little bit of insight into who Jesus really was. He was carrying the cross of the Messiah. He was carrying the cross of the man who he would learn that one day would be his savior. The blood of Jesus was getting on him, on his clothes, on his skin. The blood-stained cross was staining him. And Simon may not have been allowed to participate in the Passover feast, but he had an encounter with the Passover lamb that would forever change his life. And we don't have a physical cross to carry like Simon did. But Jesus tells us there is a cross that we take up daily. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is, this is the second mile Christianity, where we deny ourselves, that we surrender our life to Jesus, that I put my life in his hands. This is, the, this is where we come and we give our life for him, that we, we lay down our agenda, we lay down our will in preference for, for God's will and for what he wants us to do. And anything that God wants to do in my life trumps anything that I want to do with my life. I mean, I may want to go over here and do that. And Jesus says, nah, Scott, I want you to come over here and do this. This is what second mile Christianity is like, where we take up the cross and follow him, where we live our lives daily for him. So we take up our cross, which is the salvation and power and the victory and the work and the message of Christ in our lives. And then we carry that cross to others. We carry the message to others. We take the gospel message to others. Having traveled the first mile, we embark on the second mile. Having received the gospel, that's first mile. We share the gospel with others. That's second mile. Having received the love and grace of Jesus, that's the first mile. We show the love and grace of Jesus with others. That's second mile. Having enjoyed the amazing benefit of relationship with God is first mile. 
but we dedicate ourselves to inviting others to relationship with God. That's the second mile. And Jesus sends out his disciples and tells them this in Matthew 10, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. In other words, you have received from God in your time of need. That's first mile. Now give to others. That is second mile. We have all received from God. We have all received what we need and much more. And we should always give thanks for all that God brings and does for us. And I'm so grateful for his protection and, and for his promises. But let's, let's be a church that's just as familiar with the second mile as we are with the first. I mean, I love, I love come and find your life. I love all the things that we find in Christ. I love all the things that he does for me. And he's faithful to do it. And he's faithful to encourage. And he's faithful to save. And he's faithful to, to deliver and, and lift up and love and, and grace and forgiveness. I, I love all those things that we come and find in Christ. But then there's the second mile that I want to be just as familiar with as the first. And that's where we, we live with an attitude now of come and, and give our life so that others may know, so that we can tell others about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This isn't as comfortable as that. Come and, come and give your life is not as comfortable as come and find your life, but this is where the adventure is. Come and give your life. That's where the adventure of Christianity is. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. But who wants to live comfortable and easy? I mean, this is the only life that we get to live. I want to live it great. I want to live it big. I don't want to have any regrets when I get to heaven. I want to live this life knowing, man, everything that I could have done, I did do. And it's not to say that I don't have regrets. We all have regrets in our life. But I want to live more this way. I want to live in that second mile that can be outward focused and telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11, it says, You will be enriched in every way. That's first mile. Aren't you glad for how God enriches our lives? Like in every way, he, he enriches us. You'll be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. That's second mile. You'll be enriched in every way. That, that's where the first mile is. So that you can be generous on every occasion. That's where the second mile is. And through us, your generosity result in thanksgiving to God. Your witness begins with the second mile. Your influence begins with the second mile. Your purpose and calling happens in the second mile. Missions happens in the second mile. Souls being saved happens in the second mile. The gospel being preached happens in the second mile. The missionaries that we support going to, to nations and going to places like northeast India, that's the second mile. That That is definitely beyond that that is definitely that when we heard about that couple before who literally gave their life carrying the message of the cross to the last and the least and the lost is all part of the second mile and i love that we are a second mile church i love that we get to show what we've been a part of that we even have a report like we have to say hey church here's what we're doing this is what's happening around the world. That is second mile. All the, the things that you saw in that missions report before, that is second mile. And I love that we're a part of that. And I love that's who we are. 
And I love what we're doing around the world. I love what we're doing right here in this building with all the, with all the young people. I love the lives that are being changed. And uh, that's second mile, amen. Jesus said, hey, if someone compels you to go one mile, go two. And I think there's so much for us to find as we live a life in that second mile, beyond the expected, but start to live beyond beyond what is the expectation. Amen. Lord God, I thank you. Lord Jesus, that you yourself, first of all, went showed us, Lord, what it means to, to live that second mile, Lord. And, and you did it to the ultimate. You did it to the extreme. Lord, that you did it with such uh, um, com- uh, completion, Lord God, that, that you didn't just do what you could have done, but Lord, you, you did everything. Well, when you said those words on the cross, it is finished, Lord. You had completed it all, Lord, that that make us right with you, that there is nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with you, but it was Jesus that you did it all. It was through your grace. It was through you coming and dying for our sin. Everything that we had done, Lord, that separated us from you, that, that was against your will and your desire, all those things, whether it be things like lying and cheating or whatever it is, Lord, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But Lord Jesus, you came because you knew that we could not make our way back to you. And uh, Lord, you came and you died on that cross for us. And we give you thanks, thanksgiving for that, Lord. We worship you for that, Lord. And we will worship you forever, Lord, because of that. And uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, went before us and Lord, you have shown us the way and that you call us to live a life that is not just focused on ourselves, but is focused on others. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed and encouraged you. Join us live on Sunday or at our midweek Connect Small Group meetings in North Phoenix, Arizona.